Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. He had really good command of it today. He was throwing it in, uh, you know, two accounts and, and really doing anything he wanted with it. And when he has that ability, he's tough. We've seen him before. Uh, we've gotten him before, but he's also pitched very well against us uh, in the past. We've seen this type of effort from him. So it's not like this is um, something completely out of the blue. He's a very good pitcher, and, and I, I think he was truly uh, uh, on his game. All right, Rocco looking for some silver linings. Well, actually, he wasn't. He was mostly. I think he was talking about the uh, Giolito. He was talking about was it, was G- it who started yesterday? Lance Gio. Lynn. Giolito. Oh, Gio Giolito. Lucas Giolito. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lucas nice changeup. Lost track. Um, boys, this is reckless speculation. This is reckless speculation Thursday on Mackie and Judd. Reckless speculation is a lifestyle. You either live it and you get it, or you don't. We uh, we love to speculate recklessly on this show. And we love when credible national journalist reporters like our friend John Morosi. We're just going to get right into this. Mackie and Judd, executive producer Declan. Doogie's going to join us on the show today. John Morosi, who um, I would say is one of the five, six. I think Jeff Passan is the, is the top MLB insider right now for ESPN. Buster Only is always full of information. Kenny Rosenthal. Rosenthal's in the mix. And then there's like John Heyman. There's like that second level of yeah. John Heyman. Joel Sherman. Yeah. John. I would say John yeah. Morosi is right in that mix. He breaks a ton of news. And he doesn't just float things. Like he's not just going to wake up in the morning and be like, I'm just going to send something random out to the Internet. Right. He, he gathers information behind the scenes and he disseminates it and then floats it strategically to feed the audience. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he tweeted yesterday, Jose Barrios is one name to watch as a trade fit for the Blue Jays, as I just mentioned on MLB Central and MLB Network. When a team has the worst record in the American League as the Twins do, it's hard to say any players are off limits. Jose Barrios, having a pretty good season, not amazing, but a pretty pretty good season, has a year and a half left on his contract until he hits free agency. The Twins have not reached a contract extension with him. He is currently 26 years old, going to turn 27 in a week from today. When you saw that John Morosi tweet about Jose Barrios, what did you guys think? Um, I thought that I actually went back to the fact that the Twins have tried before in a 
approached the Burials camp about a significant extension, uh, which is at some point in time here is going to have to get done. He's what? He signed through the 2021. So he signed through this 22. year. He, he signed through 22. 22. Okay. So the twins we know have approached the Burials and Buxton camp about extensions. Both are going to be expensive to retain. And Brios is, I don't know, I wouldn't say very publicly, but there have been signs, and this is not speculation, this has happened. There have been signs from Brios that he wants to get paid. And from the sound of it, it sounds to me like he wants to be paid probably like an ace. Like he's he wants he wants his payday. And by the way, I don't begrudge him that one bit. But with where the Twins are right now and with how shocking the drop-off of this team has been quickly and with definite question marks, including in pitching, which you can never have enough of. If you can work out a trade with a team to get a a return of young arms or a couple of young arms from a team like Toronto for Jose Barrios, would I dismiss it? Absolutely, positively not. And the twins need to take a long, hard look at where they are pitching wise. And when it comes to young pitching in the bullpen and also starters, um, and again, they have to evaluate the fact that they have fallen off the face of the earth way quicker than anybody thought was possible. And yeah. to just dismiss this fail as a blip, I think, is a mistake. I mean, this needs to be examined and learned from, not like, it's a one-season fluke. Don't concern yourself. No, this is an aging baseball team that we thought the window was going to be open in 2021, and it looks like it definitely closed. So my guess is that... Um, Morosi talked to credible people in the league, probably GMs, who said, we are hearing that Jose Barrios at the right price. And that's what would stop the trade. It's the price. The Twins would ask for the world. But Jose Barrios at the right price is almost certainly going to be shopped before the deadline. Because I think there's a fighting chance here that the Twins, if they don't trade him, are not going to be able to resign him. Yeah, well, we're sitting here and we are 25% of the way through this season and the Twins are tied for the worst winning percentage in the entire major leagues with the Colorado Rockies. And so to the second part of Morosi's tweet, when you have that bad of a record and you're that buried in the standings and you're 11 and a half back of first place, two and a half, uh, two games back of fourth place in your division, any conversation should be on the table in terms of how to make your team better starting in 2022. And so the way I look at this, should the Twins consider trading Jose Barrios? I would prefer if they signed him to a contract extension. He's not a number one ace caliber guy. Like when you compare him to, you know, some of the other top guys like the Trevor Bowers and the Clayton Kershaws and uh, when Garrett Cole and Jake DeGrom are at their best. Like there's another level of starting pitcher above Jose Barrios for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think he has the stuff to get there, but we've been waiting for it for a few years. If he remains the same pitcher that he is right now for like the next five years, he's still a really valuable guy to have on your team. He's still in his prime. He's going to have three years left in his 20s. And so I would prefer to give him a contract extension. The going rate is probably going to be over $20 million a year. And now there is no salary cap, but teams spend within the parameters of how much money they bring in as a business. So when you pay a player $20 million and you got Josh Donaldson making $20 million plus or whatever, um, the, the, put it this way, the, the Twins aren't going to spend $200 million on their payroll along with some of the top teams, right? Their resources are capped by their own uh, business constraints. So when you give him $20 million, it might mean that you can't pay Byron Buxton or like you're going to have to be a little choosy here. Yes, I would pay him. I'd give him probably $20 million a year on like a four or five-year contract and cross my fingers that he can get to another level. 
But if they have decided, if they have had these discussions with Barrios' camp over the last year or so, and they have decided either A, he just wants to hit free agency in a year and a half and go down that route and explore his options, or B, there's too much of a gap between what we are willing to pay him and what, and what he wants. Let's say he wants 30 and you're going to give him 18 and that's just too out of a gap. Now would be the best time to trade him because a team would pay more for him in terms of prospect capital to get potentially two playoff runs from him. Like if the Blue Jays traded for him right now and they've got three really good pitching prospects, for instance, I think that are all double A or above right now. Um, the Blue Jays would get this year's playoff run and they'd get him for next year. And so if you if you take this Barrios thing into the offseason, you're going to get less, I think, anyways, in December at the winter meetings than you would if you traded him sometime in the next two months. So again, I would extend him, but if they don't think they can extend him, they're so bad right now, they could get a pretty decent haul for him and maybe a couple guys that could pop in your in your pitching rotation in 2022. So I, I didn't think we'd be having this discussion, but here we are. My prediction is he doesn't get traded, but it's not because they won't shop him. I, I think they're going to ask for so much that there's a very good chance that teams will will say no based, Phil, on what you just said, which is the twin stance is going to be, we're giving you this guy for two potential playoff runs. We need to get, let's say, two A prospects back. And the team's going to say, we'll give you an A prospect. So I don't think he gets traded. But I also, you hit on the most interesting thing, and this is the decision that's going to have to, to be made. And that's as Barrios and Buxton approach free agency. What do you do? I don't think you can afford to bring both back. And Buxton scares me so much. Uh, Barrios doesn't scare me, but the problem is I think he's going to want to be paid like a true ace, and I don't think he is one. Um, so, yeah, and when the other component, too, here is, and I guess this could be a debate of sorts, but when you look at what the Twins have in their system from a pitching standpoint, they've certainly got some names and some prospects, right? But I don't feel like they're way down with, oh, the wave of pitching coming up is incredible, like it's going to knock your socks off. You just wait. This is a playoff pitching rotation or so I think the other thing is what does this team have from the standpoint of young arms emerging and I think they have some but not a ton but that might be where you you need to insulate yourself and if you can add one or two eventually you probably jump because like let's look at this right now this window to me like this is not a one year oh my god they're bad but 2022 you just wait this team, for the most part, is older, and I don't know why, but it feels like this opportunity has slammed shut now. So, like, you've got to be planning. If you don't want to go into a potential cycle of being bad, which you don't, like, we've seen that. That sucks. Um, if you want to actually have some light at the end of the tunnel fairly soon, I think you need to be proactive here. Yeah, yeah. We've. I mean, this, this is the other question you have to ask yourself with this team, okay, because I know that it's hard to wrap your head around a window coming shut this fast when you thought six weeks ago this team was going to win 90, 95 games and maybe compete for a deep playoff run, right? I mean, start with winning a playoff game for the first time in 17 years. but um, And now it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's a little bit of that same feeling that we had in 2011 where it's like, what? what, what? Well, this, yeah. The window's closed? Like, what happened? And so I think you have to figure out who is going to help you in 2022 what is your nucleus for 2022, right? So for me, it starts with Kirilov. It's, I mean, Byron Buxton until, like, if he can get back on the field at some point, Byron Buxton was the best player in baseball when he got hurt. Larnick. 
Larnick is going to be part of that, Royce Lewis at some point, but even those guys are kind of unproven, so you're kind of crossing your fingers. I still have some hope for Polanco and Kepler, even though they haven't been the same players. They're both in their prime. So you you could make a case. Luis Arise is 24. Like, There's a group of position players here that definitely still needs to get their asses going in some ways, but you can make a case. Miguel Sano, I'm always going to have my doubts. I would look to move him. He's just he's so one-dimensional. But then you look at the pitching side, and it's like Jose Barrios is your only guy right now in your rotation under like 32. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're starting pitchers right now. Shoemaker, 34. Pineda, 32. Maeda, 33. Jay Happ, 38. So you're, you need, you need, a, you can't just run this back with a bunch of dudes in their mid 30s. Donaldson's going to be 36 next year. Cruz is going to be 41. So what I would do is identify my nucleus and, and say, okay, these are the guys we're going to start with going into 2022. Yep. How can we add, where are the holes and how can we add to this group? Are there are there assets we can leverage for this year? Get rid of them at the trade deadline and maybe beef up. Like you could get something really decent for Nelson Cruz. Andrelton Simmons is on a one year contract. He's one of the best defensive players of this generation, right? Michael Pineda, Alex Colome has kind of come around. If he pitches well for a month, you probably spin him. Um, and I, I threw this name out and got mocked, of course, by the by the Twins blogosphere when I threw out Kenta Maeda's name about a week ago. What do you mean? He's on the most team for like you Yeah, he's he's on a team friendly contract, but he's also thirty three. He's thirty three years old. Yep. Patrick threw that out too. Yeah. And so if you think that because his because his contract is so team friendly, you might be able to get something really nice ten years younger, right? Mm-hmm. That can help you uh for sure in a window that starts in two thousand twenty two. I don't think it's a full rebuild, but I think you should be looking at the assets that might not help you going forward or the assets that are on one-year contracts, or in the case of Barrios, I, ha- I I hate the idea of trading him, but like if you can't reach an agreement, you should strongly consider talking to teams in the next six to eight weeks. Barrios is the only guy, though, of the list that you just went through that would get you a potential haul. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is going to get you pieces. Like, and, and hell, they might be great. I don't know. Yes. But they're not. They're, the only trade, so like, I think fans of a losing team that's about to trade players say, oh, if you trade Maeda, you're going to clean up three Hall of Famers, five All-Stars. That's not how this works. Like, look at the recent trades and, and you know, twins or otherwise, how often we've been underwhelmed by the return. And we're like, that's what you get. Barrios could actually break the bank of a team prospect-wise. Like, they might just say, okay, we'll give you two guys. And we're all like, that's great. Um, but Phil, so I think to your point about this isn't a full rebuild is true when it comes to position players. I don't think it's true when it comes to pitching. I think this is going to be, if you look at that starting rotation, opening day, 2022, half will be gone. Um, Pineda, I believe will be gone. He'll be gone. Yep. He'll be gone. Shoemaker's gone. Shoemaker's gone. Exactly right. And so, so Barrios might be there. He might not be. Maeda, same thing, but there's nobody in that rotation who you're like, okay, this is for sure a thing. And that's where the one thing that Falvey and Levine, and this either has to be internal from them, or if it's not um, possible, they have to go out and fix this though. And I'll continue to harp on this is what the last two years, the most unacceptable thing I think is this Homer Bailey, Rich Hill, Shoemaker, Hap. Yeah, That can't be like, okay, if one of those guys in the last two years is your fifth starter, I might be like, okay, that's fine. But think about it. You've signed those guys in those two years with the idea that they're going to make starts and be regular parts of your rotation. 
that's where you need to be coming in with younger guys, right? Yeah. That can build something. And that's white, where white White Sox in Cleveland are doing that right exactly. under your nose. But I mean that that's where the window is shut now. Like you you can't you can't continue in that vein and be like, well, next winter we'll go find two 35-year-olds. Yeah. That's one that is not acceptable. If you're going to build through pitching, your building through pitching can include we're going to find a guy whose spin rate in Oakland was slightly off, and we're going to take that spin rate, and we're going to, i.e., he's somehow going to cheat, which yeah. I don't care about either. But that's So that's one where I do think, I do think it is a rebuild so far, and I'm really disappointed in how the pitching has – fallen out here top to bottom yeah i mean gosh man and i know that all of your developmental like all your minor league pitchers that were gonna maybe play a factor didn't pitch because there was no minor league season last year but you know well look in your division like we said i mean the, the white Sox, cleveland even kansas city to some extent there's guys that have moved up pretty quickly without having had the benefit of a minor league season last year and so you're just we're five years into this thing, and there literally have been no Falvey Levine starting pitchers come up yet. No, I mean, none that have have stuck in your rotation, right? Right. Do- Dobnak, um, but Barrios was a was a Terry Ryan and Bill Smith. I can't remember what exact year it was, like 2012 or 13. Um, so I think it was yep. a Terry Ryan led draft pick, and every everything else is patchwork. So that is a criticism for sure. And these guys don't miss enough bats. And in an era of strikeouts, Shoemaker and Hap are striking up five batters per nine. So they're just allowing way too much contact, a lot of loud contact. So, yeah, these are – I know that the the instant reaction is, what, Barrios? Why would you ever consider trading Barrios? Well, if you want to restock your cupboards – and I, I know that there's another conversation to be had here too for another day about – you know, well, why why are the Twins always playing for one, two, three years down the road? And I think that was a legitimate criticism for the 2019 team specifically, when they had the best offense in the best home run hitting offense in the history of baseball, and their big trade line deadline acquisitions were Sergio Romo and Sam Dyson. Yeah. Sam Dyson failed a physical uh, and didn't pitch the rest of the year. Like they didn't add a big starter. You know, was there a move to be made there? And it's easy to say, well, but the asking price was this. Well. The asking price, you're, you're never going to get like a bargain bin ace. Like you're going to have to overpay in that situation. And the Twins for 20 years, whenever they've been in contention on July 31st, have always balked at the price for the piece that puts you over the top. That's the decision that they've made. They've always wanted to keep some chips on future season tables. And then what happens is 2011, 2021, the rug comes out and you're like, damn, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we should have traded, you know, Yon Duran back in 2019 or, you know, back in 2011 it was, or 2010 it was, maybe Aaron Hicks for Cliff Lee would have been an ideal trade at that time. Maybe Aaron Hicks isn't going to be the 19, 10 right? center fielder. I, I think Stroman, Stroman was an option. got traded yeah. early from the Blue Jays mm-hmm. to the Mets. And, and there weren't a lot of moves in 2019, but, I mean, that was there. As, and as, and as, yeah, as does one. Stroman guarantee that you beat the Yankees? No. No, but, but no, but it would be. There are times to go for it, and there are times to be smart. But you've got to know when the difference is. Yeah, right. Reckless speculation. So yeah, I wouldn't take. I would not take this potential uh, Brios being shopped because we need to keep in mind the most important thing. If you love the Twins, is this Nelson Cruz isn't going to get you what you think he's going to. 
He'll get you something. Also, National League teams are basically out of the right. bidding for him, so you're really only looking at a small handful of American League contenders that would yep. trade for him. But I, it's just we always think, oh, my God, if you trade Angleton Simmons, great defensive shortstop, oh, it's going to be great. No, you're going to get a guy yeah. you've never heard of, and he's probably at Class A, and he might never play for you. Yep. So Reckless Speculation Thursday. We will talk to Doogie. Reckless. And listen, we just want to say we really love and appreciate those of you who recklessly speculate with us, those of you who get the reckless speculation lifestyle, and we uh, we won't let you down every Thursday here. <laughs> All right. Declan, always on Thursdays, goes back into the archives on Twitter, and uh, he embarrasses us, quite frankly. He goes and finds old tweets from the Internet, which uh, this time around is powered by Dennis Kirk, our friends at Dennis Kirk. If you like to ride, okay? Uh, if you like to ride toward the trade deadline with crazy ideas of trading your best starting pitchers for future pieces, it's not going to go over well with, with the fan base. But, you know, um, whatever you ride, Harley, sport bike, reckless speculation, trade rumor, cycle, uh, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. Order by 8 p.m. and they ship the same day, plus shipping is free. For orders over $89. DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, Dex. All right. Hit us with the bad news. Old tweets exposed. Bullpen edition. Twins. Oh, boy. Bullpen edition. We'll start with Judd. I, we'll start with Judd. I feel like Phil's really going to take a hit on this one. So the Twins bullpen deserves a ton of credit for this win, but if you go to Rogers, like guy into Rogers. I don't, I don't know what you're trying to say there. You could lock playoff games down and create seven <laughs> inning games July 12th, I was, 2000. Judd's trying to clone Taylor Rogers. Yep. Right there. It, oh, I got it's it. It's a, it's a, tr- I think I'm suggesting a trade because I mean, I'm thinking that day, oh, sure. Sam Dyson for sure. Right. He loves cats. Or maybe well, you he got 238 likes on that. Yeah. Because yeah, I was yeah, saying the hashtag we, engagement. We had long conversations about because. Riders was so good. We had conversations about you need to find another guy like him, mm-hmm. and basically it goes closer, closer. So yeah, I okay. you know what? I'm not going to back off this one one bit. Lockdown playoff game at the though. time, at the time, right? Okay. Yeah, you know why? Because I was thinking about the playoffs. Gotcha. So cloning, so so cloning Taylor Rogers at the there time. Judge now that was 2019. It was a much predator, better version. Predator like so at Phil, the time it was very good back then. Phil's tweet at the time is is is, is correct. But right I've now, never been wrong about a Twins reliever. No. I am batting a thousand in my tweets lifetime when the, I tweet about Twins relievers. At the time of this tweet, Alex Burnett. It's very accurate. But uh, May 20, 2020, I don't know. Uh, Phil Mackey, August 18, 2020. Tyler Duffy is the Twins' best reliever right now. Oh, well, he, he, he was, at the, at, he the was time, at the time. That's man. fine. But, but this is we're exposing things. And right now, Tyler Duffy is getting, getting told to throw at people. And he doesn't know what the yeah. hell to do. And... He's been so bad and has had command problems, he can't even properly hit a batter when he's told to. Do you guys watch the John Boy breakdown, the nine-minute John Boy? I I loved it. It was absolutely fantastic. It's very, very good. It's insanely good. Here's my guess. I think, and this total guess, I think Tyler Duffy purposely threw that pitch behind his legs because he objected to how ridiculous it was to be asked to hit him. So he wasn't insubordinate. He's probably told, hey, give him a message, right? Who but, do you but, think told him that? Because I don't think it was Rocco. Was it JD? Was it, yeah, it Which one of the a, old yeah. codger guys told him? Um, well, 
Rocco said specifically, there were some guys in our clubhouse who were upset. And you're right. He sort of absolved himself. He's like, I'm not that upset about it, which he shouldn't have been. So, yeah, it was probably a Donaldson type of guy who said, we got to get some revenge. But I don't think Duffy missed him like, oh, my God, he can't throw it there. I think he purposely was like, okay, I'll sort of go along, but this is BS. Because if if you're a pitcher, I don't think you've got your teammates back. Like, if that's a pitcher who gets the home run hit on 3-0, you might. But Williams, Astadia, I mean, that's literally a circus moment. If you're Duffy, that's embarrassing. Yeah, it. I don't know. The whole thing was just. But the John Boy thing, you got to watch it. I'll check it out for sure. I, I'm it. so happy that current and form. I saw CC Sabathia on his R2C2 podcast teed off on Larusa. I'm so, I'm so happy. Oh, I'm so happy, Larusa. So every right. time I think Phil or Judd are the front runners to win something, old Declan comes out from the woodwork on May, March 24th, 2014, and says, I can't believe it's oh, even man. a debate between Caleb Steelbar <laughs> and Scott Diamond for the final spot in the pen. So here's my question. Were you fighting for Scott Diamond here? <laughs> I think or... I was fighting for Caleb Steelbar. I mean, either way, it's hilarious. It, either, it doesn't Scott... matter who I was fighting for now. because it Well, it, it does matter. But, uh, but yes, I was debating the semantics of the 13th arm, if it was a 13th arm, between Caleb Thielbar and Scott Diamond. One you know, there were all these stories written when Scott Diamond had that one pop-up season on a 95-loss Twins team, and he was a really good pitcher for one year with the Twins. And there was all these stories written about, boy, Scott Diamond has found, you know, he's the number one starter on a Major League Baseball team, and he still drives a Ford Focus. You know, he's just he's just an everyman. No, Scott Diamond knew what was happening, right? He, I, I can't believe, <laughs> but can't he was believe smart. I have a 3.5 ERA. I ain't going to go buy a Ferrari yet. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the only time I make money. That's pre-independent <laughs> league Saints Steel Bar too, right? Uh, no, he came up in 2013. So he has, he's had two stints, I believe. No, with but the Saints. but he went back to the Saints, right? Right. That. So so yes, he he, he was came with up the Saints in, before that too, wasn't he? Oh, yes. was he? Yes. Yeah. He oh, I the, didn't. I forgot. He that. was with the Saints in like 2010, 2011, and yeah. then made his debut in 2013. And actually, it was effective in 2013. And then I think okay. was optioned off by like 14 or 15, went back to the Saints, was like a pitching coach at Augustana like two years ago, and now is still and on a major to work on his, his spin rate, oh, which man, many went Gaylord Perry. Oh, well, I think we know who takes the victory or the L this time around, Declan. Yeah. Hey, if you ever want to do a, a bonus edition of Old Tweets Exposed Twins Bullpen, mm-hmm. just go find a Twins pitching roster from like 2012, 11, 12, 13, and just put my handle and any of those guys, like P.J. Walters, uh, Esmerling Vazquez, like literally just put those names in. And Sam Deduno? Sam Deduno. Pedro Sam Deduno would be a good one. Yeah. Go, go find how many just way off base tweets I probably had about some of those guys. Jeff Manship. With my pitching beer goggles on. Yeah. Jeff Manship. Yeah. yeah. Do that for sure. Woof. All right, boys. Congratulations to Declan. He takes home the crown. For old tweets exposed. All right, we'll take a deep breath, and we'll get to our friend, the godfather of reckless speculation, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Hey, kids, how's the water? It's full of weeds. I can't move my legs. Uh, your arms are free, right? Yeah. yeah. Wave them around. It's fun. Are you kidding me? This can't be happening. This is Jamie from the Aquaside Company. Clear your water completely. Destroy weeds, algae, and the muck that's preventing you from enjoying your waterfront property. We know your time in the water is precious. We're the Aquaside Company. Call 800 800- Three two eight nine three five zero, or visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. Reckless speculation. Trade talk. Juicy rumors. 
Yes, it is Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. And uh, we love bringing in our friend every single Thursday for a scoop session. You can also find Darren Doogie Wolfson in podcast form on the Scoop Podcast, Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com, and the ScoreNorth app. Bonus scoop with Judd and Dex uh, on Tuesdays. And as part of the five Eyewitness News sports team, he is providing inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Doogie, happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. (laughs) Happy birthday, Phil Mackey. Congratulations on reaching, I don't know if you want it out there, Phil, whatever number you are in your mid-30s. Congratulations. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. I am solidly in the back half of my mid-30s now. I am 36 as of today. I completely forgot. Judd, I don't think you and I have ever remembered each other's birthdays. Happy birthday, Phil. I appreciate it. No, well, I mean, Judd it's what happens when we get to, in your case, Phil, 36. I'm 41. Yeah. I mean, outside of Facebook. I mean, Phil, that's the reason, right? I was on Facebook this morning. I saw your beautiful wife, your better half, give you a birthday shout-out. Otherwise, Phil, I would have had no bleeping idea today was your birthday. I completely no, forgot, listen. yeah. No, that's, aren't you a May birthday? Am when's I? You, when's, your birth, when's your birthday? October. Who, me July. or Judd? Yeah, no, you. No, you. <laughs> January 20th. I was close. See, I was close. No, you were you were close, and that's okay. Yeah, I don't take offense. Close. I don't expect anybody to remember my birthday. <laughs> I thought you were June birthday, Doogie. I'm sorry. Scoops on birthday. Anyway, so, happy birthday. All right, so Doogie, I think since last time we talked, or maybe it was around, we didn't really get into this a whole lot, but it is now official. The Timberwolves have acknowledged, yes, Alex Rodriguez uh, owns the Timberwolves, and Mark Laurie, who's, I think, the more interesting central figure just from a money and a business standpoint, but um, what what can you tell us? I know you've you've got a conversation you're going to post on the Scoop podcast with Glenn Taylor. But what are some of the details you're hearing? Is Glenn going to stick around for like a two year transition period? How is this thing going to play out? When are when are A Rod and Mark Laurie going to talk publicly about this in a press conference? What are you hearing? Yeah, well, Phil, I talked to Glenn for a while on Monday. You're right. I will post that conversation next time I can get around to recording a Scoop podcast. We talked for a while on mic. A little bit off mic. In terms of your last question there, I think after the league approves this transaction, you know, so maybe later in the summer, I would I would expect Lori and A-Rod to do some sort of press conference at this point. I would imagine it would be in person compared to virtual. But yeah, that will take place at some point here in the foreseeable future. Glenn told me even before the league approves this transaction, which Glenn said zero hurdles, like Glenn is positive and Glenn's on just about every imaginable, you know, board, you know, when it comes to, to, you know, the, the NBA and, and, and the owner's involvement, like he would know, like Glenn didn't say, Hey, uh, you know, this thing, you know, zero doubt that it's going to get approved without like knowing what he was talking about. So, yeah, you know, zero doubt the Utah jazz, ownership change with with the new guy from the Miller family you know that was like six to eight weeks after they had you know publicly announced it so at some point here Glenn said there's some scheduled meetings it's not like they have a special meeting to approve the transaction it'll just be a regularly scheduled meeting at some point here June or July it'll get uh, officially announced but Glenn told me he will bring both of them on board in some capacity even before then like in the next couple weeks They will start to have their fingerprints on the organization. But yeah, Glenn is still going to be involved. So as of now, the plan is for A-Rod and Lori to take over as majority owners at the start of the 23-24 season. 
So we are talking just over two years from this moment. But Glenn did say that could be fluid. He said that. So that's so. That's yeah, so dumb. because they're I'm not sorry. cutting. I guess what so I'm getting dumb. at, Phil, they're not cutting a 1.5 billion dollar check right now, right? It's, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's a process to get to the exact number. So there will be an opportunity for them somewhere down the road to buy in even more in terms of of their actual stake. But Glenn is still going to be involved here for a while. Glenn even told me this wasn't the conversation on Monday, but it was when we talked on April 8th, that even when A-Rod and Lori are the majority owners, Glenn is still going to retain, you know, some sliver of ownership, whether that's 15%, 20%, 12%. It'll be somewhere in that ballpark. So Glenn is still going to be involved, just not as as the frontal voice, you know, starting that 23-24 season. But it is possible that sometime before, you know, October of 2023, that A-Rod and Lori, you know, they jump up. They are the the majority owners. So, Dukes, how many changes are we going to then, like, see because of the difference here with, like, alterations or, I don't know, uh, A-Rod and Lori's guys or people being brought in at times? Like, is this still is this going to be the Glenn Taylor show with the two mentors, like Karate Kid learning behind the scenes, basketball on, basketball off? Or <laughs> or are these guys going to come in and influence things? And, and I guess um, that's a long way for me to get to KG and Garnett and the potential like to get 21 in the rafters, which I'm sorry, I continue to find incredibly important. Like it would seem to me, as long as Glenn is the lead guy, that's not going to happen. How, how do you think this all sort of plays out with this Seemingly sort of odd transition. All right. Well, multiple tentacles there. Let's let's go down the the KG rabbit hole first. Glenn, let it be known to me again on Monday that he his people have have tried myriad times to reach out to KG KG's people to let them know they have connected with KG's people, not necessarily KG directly, but they have connected with KG's people to say, hey, whenever KG is ready, we are ready to put twenty one. Up in the target center rafter. So it's on KG to say yes, but you're right, Judd. As long as Glenn is the majority owner, I don't foresee that happening. I can see a scenario. Uh, the ball hasn't gotten rolling on this, although A-Rod and Lori were at the Hall of Fame ceremony over the weekend at the Mohegan Sun Casino there in, in Connecticut. So they were there for, for KG's induction. you know. But the ball hasn't gotten rolling yet on a-Rod, Lori connecting with KG, having actual dialogue about bringing him on board. But I can see that eventually happening. And it may be four or five years down the road. But I can see KG involved in some form or fashion once A-Rod and Lori are the majority owners. In terms of like the next handful of months, the next year or so, somewhere in the middle, like you think about Lori's you know, e-commerce background. I mean, they're going to utilize that brilliant mind in some capacity. A-Rod celebrity status. Heck, one of A-Rod's really good friends is Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. That's just one example, but you think about the free agency class of a year from now. Not that Bradley Beal is signing with Minnesota, but I think like in in that... In that sort of realm of possibilities, why not utilize A-Rod to help recruit players, right? Like, 
You know, I remember back in free agency last year, you know, they had a video chat with Derek Jones Jr. They made Derek Jones Jr. an offer. He ultimately chose Portland instead, but he was really impressed by the Wolves' you know, presentation. I can promise you, Alex Rodriguez is going to be a part of those types of presentations, those those videos they send out to the players, right? So, you know, however A-Rod can be involved in, in helping recruit guys, they're going to utilize A-Rod in, in that form. So they're going to be involved, but Glenn is going to protect his guys, right? Ethan Casson, Ryan Tankey, Gerson Rosas. Like, those guys aren't losing their jobs anytime soon. So just to answer your question, Judd, somewhere in the middle. On the K, yeah, the KG thing, it's it's not going to get fixed until Glenn is gone. So if Glenn's going to be around for two more years, then they're you know, KG isn't going to be saying yes to any sort of jersey retirement or any sort of ceremony. So whether it's a two year bridge or or it winds up being shorter, I really think A Rod and Mark Laurie need to just let's start planting some seeds to heal that relationship. It doesn't have to be an overnight process, but at some point. He Flip Saunders and Kevin Garnett are really the only two figureheads in the history of this franchise that are on a level of uh, like I'm all due respect to Kevin Love and some of the other players that have come through here and coaches. But those are the two guys that matter. And Flip tragically passed away. So KG is the only like living figurehead of the Timberwolves. And it's an alienated relationship. It should really be one of the first priorities that these two new owners uh, put on their list, in my opinion, Doogie. And they will, Phil. They absolutely will. Heck, I'll take it as far as uh, Troy Hudson's idea when I connected with T-Hud last week for him to spin some KG stories on the latest Scoop podcast. Shut him down. He's still involved in music, by the way, but more of the the Christian rock rap variety. Not necessarily the music he was producing you know, a decade plus ago, but his idea is not only the jersey and the rafters, but there needs to be a statue out front, right? We've got the Sid Hartman statue. There needs to be a Kevin Garnett statue. I I, love I wholeheartedly support Troy Hudson's idea on that. You know, and, and Troy and Gary Trent Sr., both those guys still live in town. You know, KG cited both those guys by name. He didn't cite many names, by the way, in his speech on Saturday, but he did specifically mention Gary Trent Sr. Yeah. and Troy Hudson. So that tells you how close KG is with those two. You know, talking to both those guys last week, they're still in KG's ear. You know, they understand the animosity where KG stands, but those two would love nothing more than for KG to be involved again with the Wolves. So I firmly believe it's when, not if, but the when still might be a few years out. Where do do things stand these days, Dukes, with uh, Byron Buxton's return, which is not going to save the twin season, but at least he's fun to watch. So we talked, I don't remember if it was the Tuesday podcast, you know, this Thursday podcast, the Scoop podcast, or maybe it was just Twitter, but I certainly so put much. it out there when, when the injury initially happened. I forget the exact date, Jeb, maybe you remember the exact date, but the buzz initially was that this was not a 12 to 16 week Luis Robert type, you know, yes. injury that with the diagnosis, the grade two that, that that was accurate. They weren't lying to us, hiding information, that this was always a you know four- to six-week type situation. So he may play for the St. Saint Paul Saints 
as soon as this weekend. If it's not this weekend, that's still fluid. They were still figuring it out as of this morning when I texted with a high-ranking Twins official. But if it's not this weekend, it'll be really, really soon that Byron Buxton is playing rehab games. So once he starts playing rehab games, his return to the Twins lineup isn't that far off. Doogie, we would love uh, two things from you here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something at you, and I would love your answer in two lanes. There's the journalism 101 lane, and then there's the idea of this thing actually coming to fruition. So uh, yesterday, John Morosi, who is a wonderful baseball insider, um, I've known him personally for 10 or 12 years. He's like the dude went to Harvard. He's got a ton of relationships with front office people, owners like he's on MLB Network. He's he's among the top six or seven baseball insiders. And he's very good. He's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like you, you know, more my relationship with him is DMing, you know, following each other on social media. But I know he's super passionate also about hockey, you know, so he's got you know, a, a certain interest in, in Minnesota, the state of hockey, you know, the wild. Yep. And so we've we've DM'd a handful of times. He doesn't just toss stuff out hoping it sticks up against the wall. Put it that way. That's my journalism 101 angle. So he tweeted out yesterday, very specifically, Jose Barrios is one name to watch as a trade fit for the Blue Jays, as I mentioned on MLB Network. When a team has the worst record in the American League, as the Twins do, it's hard to say any players are off limits. Um, there's a... so. Of course, we tweeted that out, and it created a firestorm yesterday. But yeah. um, but someone found the video clip of him on MLB Network, and he put it all on himself to like, hey, I, here's an idea that I have, right, or whatever. Um, I don't think he just put stuff out there. He's a professional. He's getting told information, and then sometimes what you do is you use your your own opinion as a filter, right, so you don't hang a source out to dry or whatever, right? Um, so your thoughts on that report, Doogie? Well, my thoughts are... Yeah, I mean, he was told something very specifically, but I would bet a lot of money that it did not come from anybody with the Twins. Sure. That the reason he volunteered the Toronto Blue Jays specifically was he got that information from somebody that works for the Blue Jays. So as you look at the Blue Jays, high expectations this year, lots of payroll flexibility, some decent prospects, they're playing well. The idea of the Blue Jays adding some starting pitcher over the next couple months via trade makes a ton of sense that they, I mean, it's a safe bet. They are going to add some starting pitcher. As you look at the twins, the worst team in baseball, the idea of the twins being sellers makes a ton of logical sense. Now Barrios is not a pending free agent. He's a free agent after the 22 season, you know? So if you're the twins, are you more likely to trade guys like Hansel Robles, Jay Happ, Heck, does Alexander Colomay now have a little bit of trade value? I mean, look at the pending free agents. Andrelton Simmons, Nelson Cruz, who does not have any sort of trade protection. I think it does make more logical sense that you're going to trade those pending free agents before you look to trade a Buxton or a Barrios or somebody under control beyond this year. But is it out of the realm of possibilities that Falvey and Levine will at least listen? And if the offer is too good to be true... You know, I I think they would say yes. So, like, I can't sit here and tell you 0% chance Jose Barrios is not getting traded. But would my money be on a Barrios trade at this point? No, I don't have any sense that talks have advanced to, to, you know, even the, you know, to use the football cliche, the 50-yard line 
or the opposition's 40-yard line, let alone being at the opposition's 10-yard line or in the red zone, right? That, that I don't have a sense that talks have, have gotten off the ground. We also know this much, though, Phil, that the Twins have made not one, but Barrios multiple extension offers. He has yeah. turned down each mm-hmm. and every Twins offer. So how high are the Twins willing to go? Heck, what is Barrios' ceiling, right? I mean, is the ceiling a really good number three, a decent number two at this point? Is he a number one? I don't think so, right? But, like, the word a couple years ago was his camp laughed at the Blake Snell extension, you know, when he was in Tampa. Also, the Aaron Nola extension with, with Philadelphia, you know? So I don't think they're taking any sort of team discount that he's young enough where... You know, his agency, Wasserman, has no problem playing this thing out, letting Barrios hit the open market after the 22 season. Plus, there's all sorts of questions about what the heck is going to take place with these CBA negotiations. Heck, will there even be a 22 season? So that's another layer, right, that we talk about the Twins having control of Barrios through the 22 season. We don't even know at this point if for sure there is going to be a 22 season. That with the CBA expiring, Judd, is it November, December, sometime here before the calendar December. year is over, that those negotiations, the Players Association, ownership, that could be really, really interesting, right? With no guarantees that spring training starts in February of next year, the next season starts in late March, early April. So I'm just telling you, that adds another layer, not only to, to Barrios, but Buxton's also in that boat, right, where he's a free agent after the 22 season. But I'm just telling you, you know, based on on some working knowledge and certainly some instinct that that I don't sense the Twins are remotely close to a Barrios or a Buxton, you know, trade, that that I would still look at the pending free agents more so. What's your best guess? Do you think, because I don't think they're going to do both, would you guess that Barrios or Buxton gets an extension here? If one's going to stay, which one? I don't think both are staying. I mean, I think Judd, I, they both have turned down multiple offers. No, I know that. That's why I'm so asking. That's why you, it's your, really tough. Like, who do you who do you go with that final contract offer that they're like, okay, this is sufficient because we've got to get away or they're going to to retain one of those two. They're going to have to get away from this. Hey, do a team friendly deal. It's going to help us to okay, it's pay. It's a it's a time to pay you now, which I don't see them doing both for. Well. But what you just described, is there a happy medium where the Twins get at least one team option? The Twins love multiple team options, but I think it would be hard to get Barrios or Buxton to sign a contract that contains multiple team options. But can you get one of them to sign a contract that contains one team option, but in the same breath, you're also paying that player fair market value, maybe even above fair market value. So I don't know if I have a specific answer to your question. It might just be, okay, of those two, which one is willing to accept that sort of offer? But I guess if you want the answer, why would I you know, skirt away from, from answering the question? I would say probably you would lean the pitcher, right? That, that how much pitching depth do they really have that, that of the two, you know, you figure you can fill an outfield spot that you would pay the pitcher over the, over the outfielder. Yeah. Uh, Doogie, you just got done uh, before you came in studio here to talk with us. You just talked with Ben Johnson, new Gophers basketball head coach. 
All right, what's the situation there? They're sort of leaking transfers and injuries. Are they are they are they bringing anybody in to field a team for this upcoming season? Phil, my gut tells me that we will have news. I'll give myself a little leeway here. I think we'll have some news on one player being added. Maybe it's not even next Thursday. Maybe it's shortly after Memorial Day. You know, so maybe it's a couple weeks out, but it could be sooner than that. That that put it this way. The roster for this upcoming season is incomplete. I see the Gophers adding at least two big men, potentially even three, that I would not rule out three big men. And when I say big men, you know, some guys that have some position flexibility, that they don't just solely guard the opposition five-man, that they could guard a four-man, maybe even a three-man, depending on on matchups. But, yeah, they're going to add at least two more players in the in the coming weeks, you know, you got to let the pre-draft, the NBA pre-draft process play out a little bit. So one player could be maybe a month, six, eight weeks out. But hey, guys can be on campus here starting in just a couple weeks as the calendar flips to June. Workouts can begin. Ben's going to get some court time with his team. Ben's going to be able to get out and recruit. Like, things are about to ramp up big time, college basketball-wise, as soon as June hits here. So, Ben and the rest of his staff are fully prepared for that. Some big man names to remember. Certainly, Steph Mitchell, the Shakopee native. He was a good player at Boston College. Not quite all ACC, but he was a good player in the ACC for multiple years. He is now in the portal. He's going through the pre-draft process, but, like, can I see the Gophers landing Steph Mitchell? I can. That would be a really nice get. He would start. He would play 30-something minutes a night. Sterling Manley is a big man transfer from North Carolina. Hasn't played a ton for the Tar Heels, but the fact he was on the Tar Heels, played some, like that would be a really good get. Like if you could get those two, you would have a starting lineup of Peyton Willis at the one. And when I say Peyton Willis, by the way, point guard, the way Ben Johnson's going to run his offense, we're not talking a traditional point guard. It's really just somebody to bring the ball up, make that initial pass, and get into their sets. That's the way Ben is going to play. Ben is not playing with a traditional point guard. It's by design. If you look at the Gophers roster right now, they don't have a player under six foot four. That's not just random. That's by yeah. design. So Ben is not playing with a traditional point guard. But when I'm talking about a starting five, Okay, Peyton Willis at the one because he'll guard the opposition one. You've then got the William and Mary transfer, Luke Lowe or EJ Stevens, the Lafayette transfer at the two. You've got Jamison Battle at the three. The George Washington transfer was a great player for D1 Minnesota, also at D. LaSalle High School, also played at Benilde St. Margaret's uh, with the with the Judd Zolgad history there. <laughs> so you'd have Battle at the three. Then if you land Mitchell and Manley, there's your four-man and five-man. So... In an ideal world, and I think for sure the Gophers are in a good spot to land at least one of those guys, but maybe they land both, where if you're running out of starting five of Willis, let's say Luke Lowe, Jamison Battle, you've got Steph Mitchell and Sterling Manley, you know, you, you got a chance. They're going to surprise some people. I will say this much. My sense is, and talking to Ben, Ben certainly believes this, he's got a lot of guys that just get the game. You know, maybe it's a cliche, but but the high basketball IQ. The guys aren't going to make stupid plays. You know, you think about maybe specifically last year's team, some of the boneheaded decisions some of the Gophers made. You know, certainly Marcus Carr at times, but others. 
Ben feels like he's not going to have guys that, that make dumb decisions, maybe on occasion, but for the most part, he's going to have some smart players and he's going to have some length. You know, they're going to be able to win some games on defense. You know, maybe they're not scoring at all times, but with the length they have on defense, if they're going to be able to stop some teams that way, maybe win some low scoring games. Plus, I still say, let's see what Ben does with the 2022 recruiting class that I don't think it's fully fair to judge him solely this upcoming year on wins and losses. Sure, we'll learn some about Ben's coaching chops this next season, but let's see what he does. And not just 22, because a lot of those kids, the relationships are already in place. Like you think about Trey Holloman, point guard at Creighton Durham Hall. He's a top 50 player in the country in the class of 2022. Tom Izzo of Michigan State has been recruiting Holloman for two years. Ben Johnson has a lot of ground to make up in a short amount of time with Trey likely committing somewhere sometime in the fall, late fall, early winter. That's hard for Ben to make up that sort of ground. So maybe it's actually fair to really judge him on the 23 recruiting class, but in some ways the 22 recruiting class. I think he's going to land some of these local players, the Cam Heides of Wyzetta, Damarian Watson of Totino Grace, Braden Carrington of Park Center. Those are all names to keep an eye on but you know Ben's Ben's working hard they were booking some rental cars today you know as they start to hit the road here hey make sure you fill that gas back up fill that gas absolutely I I was tempted to remind him of that he's also by the way if anybody if anybody has a fencing guy uh Ben needs a fence he's got a big dog and apparently (laughs) the wait is like August like the earliest he can get a guy out to do a fence for him is August yeah, I know. Ben Johnson, yeah, men's basketball coach, University of Minnesota. No, it, it, it takes a while. Like, you got to put in the order for it, and then they got to come out and do well, it. Well, there's a material backup. A lot of people, I guess, are ordering yeah, fences right now. But anyway, like, he needs to wait time. until August. So, you know, yep. he understands he needs to wait his turn in line. But, hey, we all use relationships to our benefit. So, so you're, he you're put putting it out, it out there. right now on the show. Well, on I, the well school. he also put out a tweet, I guess, he told me. You know, just soliciting the public. I go, Ben, I don't know if I would have done that. I can only imagine some of the responses he got from yeah. his tweet. Well, but get a player. Yeah, but yeah, he said uh, he's looking for a fence guy. So if anybody watching or listening to this uh, is a fence guy hey. or woman, uh, either tweet me or just call the University of Minnesota basketball <laughs> office. Ask for just Ben. Yeah. Say, okay, hey, dude. you're willing to do Ben's yeah. fence. Hey, Dukes, yeah. is, is, ben, is Ben surprised that I believe right now as we speak there is one guy coming back? Like, I'm sure he expected guys to transfer and leave. That's not surprising. But, I mean, it's remarkable that I think it's one player is going to return from 2000, uh, 2021, and that's it. Yeah, well, and that's Isaiah Enan. Now, Booth Gotch is in the portal. He has not committed anywhere yet. There still is a slight chance that Booth ends up back here. But even if it's just two, and you're right, it's just the one right now, I think you need to go case by case. I'll just tell you frankly, Gabe Kausher was out the door in January. That it didn't matter who got the job. That that he had made the determination in January that he was transferring. You know, and there's over 1,200 players in the portal, right? Yeah. It's free agency in college basketball. Yeah, has there been a bit more turnover with the Gophers compared to other programs? There has been, but every program has multiple guys. You know, then you think about a guy like Martise Mitchell. He was a recruit Patino brought in from Chicago a year ago. Let's just be frank about it. Mitchell's not a Big Ten player. So why would you want to waste a scholarship on a player like that? So, you know, you have an honest conversation about something like that. Sam Freeman, 
probably the same way, right? So, like, if you're Ben, you're not shedding a tear. You'll never say it publicly, but you're not shedding a tear that Martise Mitchell and Sam Freeman are leaving. Liam Robbins went with his uncle. I told you, I'm on record saying I would have hired his uncle, Ed Conroy, that I would have kept Ed Conroy on staff, that Ed wanted to be on staff. I can tell you that 100%. Uh, from from my understanding, that Ed had interest in remaining at the University of Minnesota. Ben decided not to to retain him on his staff. So then he ends up with Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. Liam Robbins follows his uncle out the door. Okay, that makes sense, right? Liam was always going to go with his uncle. Marcus Carr, you know, he thinks he's an NBA player. He may play this thing out that, you know, maybe he's not a draft pick, but maybe he feels like his people feel like he can land a two-way contract offer, kind of like Amir Coffee a couple of years ago. Now, could Marcus maybe end up at Kentucky or somewhere else playing another year of college basketball? Maybe, but he's he's riding out this 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 pre-draft process pretty hard, okay? So, you know, he's in the portal, but does he even end up playing college basketball? So I just think you need to go, you know, guy by guy, we need to dissect each individual situation, you know, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Ben would tell you that, Hey, you know, these guys are, are more free than ever that, that there's just so much turnover that, yeah, a little bit more here than elsewhere, but heck, you know, that, that, you know, he's, he's not necessarily, you know, crying or anything like that with some of the guys he's lost. There's also some dirty recruiting going on. I mean, I'll just tell you this, this isn't something that came up with Ben, but like, too many people will tell you C.J. Frederick. Remember him from Iowa? Good shooter. So he's playing for Fran McCaffrey at Iowa. He is now at Kentucky. So John Calipari lands him at Kentucky. Do you think the first time John Calipari, the Kentucky staff, reached out to Frederick was the day he entered the transfer portal? Give me a bleep and break. Those wheels were in motion weeks before C.J. Frederick officially was in the transfer portal. So, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of roster filling going on. Like Iowa State won two games last year. They just had a player land at Kansas. They had another player land at Gonzaga. So Kansas and Gonzaga took a player off a two-win roster wow. from last year. That's more just about you know roster filling. It's going to be hard year after year to keep the ninth man, the tenth man, the eleventh man, the twelfth man. On your roster, Ben even said, this is something he did say, in all likelihood, he's never going to use all 13 scholarships. That's just too hard because if you're the 12th scholarship guy or the 13th scholarship guy, you know, you feel like you should be playing and you can't play 12 or 13 guys. And so those guys are always going to look to transfer after a season. So it's just, it's it's the world we're in. I'm not saying I love it as a college basketball aficionado, but it's the world we're in right now. Yeah, that's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. We got to bounce. If you have some rapid fire scoops, though, we would take them on the way out, Dukes. Well, I'm trying to think. No lineup changes for the Wild tonight. I can tell you internally, like there are. I can tell you two players that just don't understand how Zach Parisi, you know, is is not in the lineup. That that he with his playoff pedigree, you know, all the points he scored in the playoffs. That you mean to tell me Zach couldn't help out? on the occasional power play, help out, you know, five, six, seven minutes a game, you know, just plopping there in front, maybe scoring a dirty goal that that there are some people wondering, you know, how does Zach not crack the lineup? So that's one. I brought this up with Judd on Tuesday, John Anderson, 40 years as Gophers baseball coach, a Minnesota baseball legend. So his contract is up here in a few weeks. 
So uh, the ball is now in Mark Coyle's court. That The Gophers, Coyle, made Anderson an offer. He turned it down. They then, the Anderson side, went back to the U. And so now it's on the U to say yes or no. But that that's an interesting situation to follow. Will John Anderson be back as Gophers baseball coach for a 41st season? Yeah. Nothing is set in stone right now. Yep, he is, uh, this is cliche, but he is a great baseball man. Darren Doogie Wolfson, find his Scoop podcast, scorenorth.com, the Scornorth app, Apple, Spotify, and we'll catch you next week, man. Got it. One other thing, Phil. So I went down the rabbit hole of, of exploring 2022 baseball draft prospects. So I texted a scouting director of a team, not the Twins. I said, hey, what's the landscape of the 2022 Major League Baseball draft? You know, just predicting that the Twins will likely have, if not the number one pick next year, you know, pick two or pick three or pick four. They're going to be picking very, very high. I was told the name Elijah Green. Elijah Green. Go to YouTube or Google his name. That if tanking was a thing, this is this scouting director on background talking to me, that if tanking was a thing in Major League Baseball, that teams would be tanking for him. That he is the best draft prospect going back multiple years. Maybe even comparable to entering the draft many years ago, Bryce Harper was seen as the surefire thing that this Elijah Green, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound outfielder, high school kid, he's viewed in the same light. Not to suggest that he's going to have the same career path as Bryce Harper, but just as a prospect, evaluating this kid right now when talking about the twenty twenty two Major League Baseball draft that this kid is off the chart. So my advice would be if if you're the twins and you're going to stink, like stink. Keep stinking. Yeah, like stink to the point Be of smelly. you clinch the number one pick. Forget the number two pick or three pick. You need to have the number one pick in next year's draft. I like it. Reckless speculation. Great stuff, Doogie. We'll talk next week. Okay. Thanks. Have a great birthday, right. Phil. See ya. Thank you, man. All right, that's a reckless speculation Thursday. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. As Chip would say, or we gotta go. I gotta go. Are we doing this thing? Are we doing this? What's your guess? Action action movie rewind tomorrow. Predator. Get to the chopper. So check that out. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Reckless Speculation Thursday. See you guys. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.